Today's scripture reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 22 through 32. The same night he rose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and everything else that he had. And Jacob left alone. And the man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip and was put on a joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him and has passed Peniel, limping again because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. This is the reading of God's Word. Thank you for uh, reading us the passage, Albert. Um, let, me, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you again for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the privilege we have to read your word, to study your word. And Father, we pray today as we delve into this passage, we pray that you will show us more of who you are, you will show us more of who we are, and you would again remind us of our need for you. And Father, we pray that, that we will be moved by your words, that we will be convicted, we will be encouraged, and that we will respond truly with faith, worship unto you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I remember when I was in college, I took an internship one summer, and I was working with alcoholics and, and drug addicts. And it was actually, it was very uh, insightful. I learned a lot during that time. And one of the things I heard about was what a lot of people would call a crisis moment. And a lot of you know, recovering alcoholics and drug addicts would talk about a moment that happened in their life where after years of denial, years of relapse, years of not caring or not really understanding what they were going through, they would have a crisis moment. And at this time, it would just hit home to them that they really had a problem. Not just, yeah, I have a problem, I gotta fix it, but something would just hit them in a way never before, and it would kind of snap them out of their denial, and they would realize, I can't live like this anymore. And the thing about a crisis moment, they would say, was that no one else can do it for you, no one else, you know, you could do an intervention of sorts, it could work, it could not work, and when it happened, it happened. For some people, it was after they lost their kids, some people, it was after a huge car accident. I mean, everybody seemed different, but then there were other people who lost their kids or who had an accident, and it didn't really change them at all. And so everybody had an individual story. I remember thinking that the crisis moment is, is very important for these people, for them to have a chance 
to actually overcome this addiction that they have. Now, in today's passage, Jacob, I believe, has a kind of a crisis moment. He's not a drug addict. He's not an alcoholic. But he's been living his life in a way that doesn't work. And I think he's going to realize in this passage that his way doesn't work, that really only God's way is going to work. And obviously, God has been with him from the beginning. God has been with him. He is, you know, he's part of God's promise. Obviously, it is through Jacob's line that our Savior comes, and God has been with him every step of the way. And yet, Jacob has not really been obedient. Jacob has not really done things God's way. He's done it his way. And his way, he feels like, is working. And in this passage, we see that Jacob finally understands that his way doesn't work, that he needs God in his life, that he needs to truly depend on the Lord in his life. And in this passage where God is wrestling with Jacob, his life is changed. And if you read Genesis and if you really read the life of Jacob, this is one of the most important, one of the most dramatic moments of Jacob's life. And as we read this passage and as we think about this passage, I want us to think about obviously Jacob's crisis moment, but also how does that apply to me? How does that apply to us? How does it impact us in our lives? And so there's three things I want to talk about today. One, a personal encounter with God. Two, wounded by God. And three, blessed by God. Right, so a personal encounter with God, wounded by God, and blessed by God. Now, in this passage, Jacob is scared. He's actually probably terrified. So in a little backdrop, I think most of us probably know the story, but as review, or maybe you don't know the story, Jacob was born in a with Esau, right? They're twins. And Esau came out first, you know, Jacob came out after him, and they've been wrestling ever since the womb. Now, Jacob is the child of promise, but he always felt that he wasn't getting what he deserved. His father, Isaac, loved Esau more than him, and so what does Jacob do, right? He, he wrestles with Isaac and Esau, and he actually cheats and he lies to take Esau's blessing away from him. And so Esau is enraged, and he wants to kill Jacob. So Jacob has to flee, flee from his homeland, flee from his father, his mother, the, the home that he knows, and he has to go to live with his uncle Laban. And he's gone for a long time. And during that time, Jacob, who went with nothing, prospers. He gets married, he has two wives, many kids, and, you know, he gets rich. He has all this livestock and, you know, servants. And now he is returning home because God wants him to go back home. But as he's going back, he hears Esau. He's coming to meet him with 400 men. Now, that could be a royal welcome, or it could mean that Esau wants to kill him. Now, I think Jacob believes Esau wants to kill him because Esau wanted to kill him before. And clearly, Jacob cheated Esau. He deceived his own father, right? He took from Esau what Esau felt was his. And so he's thinking, Esau still hates me. 
Maybe he wants to kill me. Maybe he wants to kill my family. And so at this moment, Jacob is scared. He breaks his camp in two, thinking, you know, if he attacks, one camp will live, the other you know, might die. So he breaks it in two, and he sends all these gifts. We read in the passage to Esau, pretty much saying, please, here, have all of this, right? And please, in a sense, don't hurt me, don't hurt my loved ones. But at this point in the passage, after he's done all that, he is alone. He has sent his family away, and he is completely alone. And I think that's important, that he is alone, because God waits for him to be alone, to come to him, and he encounters God. But the interesting thing is this, me reading this passage, I would think, man, if I was alone, if I was scared, if I was at my wit's end, I would think God would come to me with open arms, love me, hug me, comfort me. But instead, God does the opposite. He attacks Jacob. Right? It's a personal encounter with God, but the way it happens, and we just read it in the passage, it says here, and Jacob was left alone, verse 24, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. So here is Jacob. He's alone. He's broken at his wits end, scared. Instead of coming in comfort, God comes and he attacks Jacob. He wrestles with Jacob. And I think it's a reminder for us often when we need God, he comes into our lives, but he doesn't always come the way we expect him to or maybe even the way we want him to. And we may not even appreciate that, but obviously God always comes into our lives in the way that we need him to. And so we see really an act of grace where God comes to Jacob and he wrestles with him. It is truly a personal encounter with God. I think at first Jacob doesn't know it's God and he wrestles. Now, the way the passage is written, they've been wrestling all night. Now, I, I'm not a wrestler. I've actually, I mean, I wrestled for fun when I was a kid, but I talked to people that actually wrestle, like in high school, maybe in college, and they tell me wrestling is one of the hardest things to do. From what I understand, wrestling is, I think, maybe like three rounds, two minutes each, and maybe like only six minutes of actual physical wrestling. And yet, from what I hear, at the end of those six minutes, I hear you're exhausted. I hear every muscle is crying out in pain because you're just using all of yourself, all your strength. But imagine all night long, Jacob is grappling and wrestling and grabbing and pulling and I mean, he's probably exhausted at this point. But Jacob doesn't give up, and he just keeps wrestling and wrestling and wrestling and wrestling, and he will not give up. And, he, and he's encountering God. And honestly, it's not until much later, in, you know, in the, really in the beginning of the day, that, that he finds out who this truly is. So the first point, obviously, is, is a personal encounter with God. He's going to encounter him. He's going to wrestle with him. But let me move into my second point, being wounded by God. If you look at the passage, it says, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And then it says, 
when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now think about this. You're wrestling all night. Nobody's winning. And then it doesn't say he punched him. It doesn't say he grabbed him really strongly. It says he touched him. If you read the Hebrew, it literally just means touch. It's like a gentle touch. But then the gentle touch turns into his hip getting wrecked. And so obviously Jacob can no longer fight if his hip is out of the socket. He's done. Technically, he probably has lost. But at this moment, think what happened to Jacob. He's thinking, who is this guy? He attacks me out of nowhere. We're wrestling all night long, and he was this strong? All he had to do was touch me, and my bone just fell out of his, you know, like my bone got messed up, and my hip just came out of the socket? That makes no sense. And that's at the moment when he realizes who this is. And that's actually why when person he's arresting says, let me go, for the day has broken. What does Jacob say? I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now I want you to understand what just happened here. Jacob, his whole life, has been a wrestler. His whole life, he wrestled. He strived. You know, he, he deceived, right? He, he's a fixer. He's a man who says, whatever the situation, I'm going to get what I want, and I'm going to do it my way. He wanted Isaac's approval and love. He wasn't getting it. So he pretended he was Esau. He deceived his own father, and he got the approval and the blessing he wanted. Very temporary, but that's what he wanted. He goes to be with his uncle Laban, and he wanted Rachel, a beautiful woman. He wanted to marry her. And so he fought hard. He worked really hard for her. But he gets deceived, right? He's given Leah instead. So he works another seven years, and he works. And he's, he, he gets what he wants. He does what he needs to do, even in this passage. He knows Esau hates him, or he thinks Esau hates him. He thinks Esau's coming to kill him. So he's saying, let me divide the camp. Let me send servants. Let me do whatever I got to do. He's a fixer. He's a wrestler. He's a striver. It's all on his strength. But this night, as he wrestles with God, actually, he learns that he can't do it on his own strength. See, he learns through the wrestling, through the wound, actually, that he is helpless. That's what God is showing him. I actually wonder, when I first read this passage many years ago, I said, why doesn't God just come to Jacob and say, hey, this is God? I know you're struggling. This is what you need to do. Why does he wrestle with him all night? Because God wants Jacob to understand you're nothing. You're helpless. You can't do it through your own schemes and your own wrestling and the way you, know, you want to get things done, fix, trying to fix it yourself. You can't do it. Only I can intervene truly in your life. I'm the one you truly need. And he wants Jacob to depend on him, and that is why he wrestles with him all night, and then he touches him, and pretty much he breaks him, he wounds him, 
right? The hip is out of the socket, and it is only at that moment that Jacob realizes, I need him. And that's why, if you notice in the passage, it changes. Initially, he's wrestling with God, probably to try to escape, but the second that happens, what does Jacob do? He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob has learned, I can't do it. I need you. And I think sometimes in our own lives, this happens. You know, we become Christians, right? If, you, if you're a Christian, you know, you come to faith. And you say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be my Lord. But then the way we live our lives, it's like God's not in the picture. I'm going to do everything on my own strength. I'm going to do everything the way I want it to. And even if it means disobeying God, even if it means not following his word, his wisdom, his guidance, I'm just going to do it my way. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to scheme. I'm going to plan. And I just try to do everything on my own. Even when I pray, I don't really pray because I'm dependent on God. I pray because it's like a ritual. It's what I'm supposed to do. I go to church. I sing the right songs. I read some scripture. I say the right prayers. But really, it's about me. It's about my way or the highway. I'm going to do it this way because this is the way that works. And it's all about me. And sometimes I do believe God wounds us. Sometimes he lets us go through some pain and even some suffering. And it's during those times that we realize, I can't do it on my own. It's during those times when God makes us realize, I need him. I need to depend on him. It's not about me. It is truly about him. And Jacob learns this lesson, that he needs the Lord. He is not everything. God is everything. And so we see that a personal encounter with God. We see him being wounded by God. But then, the last part, we see Jacob being blessed by God. I love how in the passage, it says, let me go, this is the Lord speaking, the day is broken, and Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he, he goes from wrestling, and now what, what's Jacob doing? He's clinging. Right? He's clinging to God. He's realizing who this is. I need you. So he clings on to him and says, I'm not going to let you go. You, you can't go. I don't care if it's the dawn. Now, why does God even say that? It's dawn, right? The day is breaking. You can't. Because if you look at the Old Testament, a person couldn't see the face of God. If you saw the face of God, you're going to die. And so God says, you cannot see me, right, in the breaking of the day. I'm going to go. What is Jacob Prima saying? I don't care. Even if it means I'm going to die. I'm going to cling on to you because I need you to bless me. Now, <clears throat> I want you to understand something here. Jacob, his whole life, has wanted blessing. He wanted to be blessed by his father. 
But Isaac, he wanted his love, his approval, his delight, his blessing. He didn't get it. And that's why he wrestled with Isaac, with Esau, to try to get that blessing. He's looking for that joy, that blessing, that love. He can't find it. And then when he goes to you know, his uncle Laban, he sees Rachel. And Rachel, now he wants to get a blessing from her. He wants to get her beauty, her love, her delight. So again, he fights. He strives. He's looking for blessing. But he knows something is missing. He's rich now. He's got two wives. He's got all these kids. But if you read Genesis, we know his life. It's tough, it's rough. He's looking for blessing. And he's looking for it in all the wrong places. Because true blessing, it comes from who? From God. But Jacob doesn't want God to bless him, up to this point at least. He wants God to be a means to get blessing elsewhere. Pretty much he wants God to be a genie, right? God, give me what I want. That's really his attitude up to this point. But in this passage, after he is wounded, he realizes, I've been looking for my blessing everywhere else, but you, you are who I need. And don't we do that? When we go to God, do we really go to God and say, you are my all in all? We sing it. We sang today about you're my anchor, my hope. But do we mean that? Or when I live my life, when you live your lives, are we thinking, true blessing, Lord, it's money. So I pray to you, give me more money. True blessing is my family. So I want my family to be perfect, Lord. Make us healthy, make us get along, make us love each other. True blessing is my job. True blessing is my status, right? True blessing is my pleasure. And what we do is we look for these blessings. And I'm not saying these are all bad things. They're all good things. But we want these things to be our ultimate blessing. And so what we want God to do is to say, I want you. We say to God, I want you to help me get the things that really make me happy. And when God doesn't give me that, when he doesn't give me the perfect family, when he doesn't give me the money I want, when he doesn't give me the job or the status or the relationships that I want, I get angry. I say, God, why? Why don't you love me? Because why? We are missing the point. Just like Jacob missed the point. The blessing was being with God, but he said, no, the blessing is from Isaac, it's from Esau, it's from Rachel, it's from Laban. He was missing the point. And God had to show him through the wrestling, through the wound, that who he needs is him. He needs the Lord. And that is what we need to understand. You know when Jesus is with the disciples and they're fishing and they meet Jesus and Jesus helps them catch a lot of fish. And then when they realize what Jesus did, it's interesting. They don't say, Jesus, stick around, let me catch more fish. No, they say, Jesus, we're going to leave this and we're going to follow you. Why do they do that? Do they realize Jesus is better than the fish? Jesus is better than anything. I think what we have to realize is true blessing is the Lord himself. It's our relationship with him. It's his love. It's his approval. It's his comfort. It's his grace. It's him. 
And when we get that, our lives change. See, Jacob's life completely changed this day because he said, I'm not going to look for blessing everywhere else. No, my true blessing is that God is with me, that God loves me, that God blesses me. And as long as I have him, I will always be okay. I'll be better than okay because I am blessed by him. And this passage is amazing. That's why he has a limp. And he has a limp. And as he's walking, he has a limp. And I think it's a great reminder for Jacob that every time he's limping, God wounded me to show me how much I need him. And he blessed me. Now, here's the thing in this passage. You know, part of the blessing is obviously God renames Jacob. Jacob, that name means cheater, deceiver, supplanter. Not not necessarily a great name here. But he renames him Israel, which means God fights, God strives, God rules. But when you look at the passage, he says, your name should no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men, and you have prevailed. And then obviously he blesses him. The question is this, why? Why would God even bless Jacob? Right? Jacob's a cheater, he's a deceiver, he's a supplanter, he's selfish. What, what makes God even want to bless Jacob? Let me extend that. What makes God want to bless me? What makes God want to bless you? Honestly? It's nothing that we deserve because we don't. Just like Jacob doesn't deserve it. It's because of his love, because of his goodness that he would even do that. But here's the thing, I think, in this passage that's also amazing. We see that God, in this passage, purposely weakened himself. Because when he's wrestling with Jacob, if you think about it, God could have crushed him from the beginning. I mean, he just touched him, and his hips broken. He could have just crushed him. But what does God do? God purposely weakens himself to get Jacob to change. Right? It kind of reminds me of when I wrestle sometimes. I don't really wrestle, but my kids, they'll attack me. But they're so little. Right? They're five and three, and they'll jump on me. And obviously, I could crush them if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. And I let them think. They're winning. Sometimes my daughter straight up says to me, Daddy, pretend you're losing. And, you know, and I let them think it. Why? Because it's a way of obviously playing with them, loving them. God is loving Jacob by purposely weakening himself to teach him something. And then, obviously, at the right time, he wounds him. And we are reminded in this passage that Christ when he came into this world, when he went to the cross, he purposely weakened himself. He humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death upon a cross. And he did that so he could bless you and bless me. And you know, it's interesting, Jacob, he clings on to the Lord for dear life and he's willing to die for the blessing. But Jesus, he actually does die in order to bless his people. 
And my prayer and my hope is that for all of us, as we know this amazing Savior, as we know our Lord, that we will say, Lord, it's not about me, and it's not about trying to get blessings everywhere else. No, I need you. I need you. I want you to be my blessing because you truly are my all in all. And I hope and pray that will be our desire in our lives as we live our lives for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we worship you. Father, we see in this passage Jacob striving. Jacob trying to figure out a way to fix things. Looking for blessings everywhere else. But we see, Father, in this passage that he understands that he needs you. That you are the true blessing. And Father, we pray that that will be our desire. That we will truly depend upon you as we pray to you, that we would know that you are the blessing that we need in our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.